Almighty God, we do pray that you give us great wisdom and insight as we look into your word today. Help us to walk away with what you want us to hear, what you want us to know, how you want us to live. And I pray, God, that you continue to bless in many ways those that are in need health-wise. Father, please be with Miriam, a friend of Mary Pagans, that you just continue to help her as she's battling through cancer. Please be with Kim Brown as she had to go to the ER earlier this morning. God, I pray that you just continue to help those that are in need, Father. Jackie uh, Pintway, that you help her, Father. She's going through surgery as well. And be with Ryan Armstrong, who is sick at home with the flu. God, there's so many things that are out there, but yet we know that you are the great physician. You can heal. You can do things that we never thought was possible. Just as Larry even shared at the communion, Father, you can do incredible things that even amaze the doctors. And we do pray that you continue to help us to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. There is also going to be a choir rehearsal after service today in the cafeteria. So there's going to be a lot going on. So when we're done and we have, we have a great baptism that's going to happen at the end of service today as well. Amen. But when all that's done, we're going to need to go to the cafeteria, library, wherever you're going, because we also have a Spanish service that's going to be coming in. So we need to make our way out so they can make their way in and be set up for our time uh, today. So this month, as I said, is Black History Month. Black History Month is an annual celebration of achievements by African Americans and a time to recognize the central role of blacks in U.S. history. This event grew from what was first begun as Negro History Week. It was just one week, but yet it formed in 1976 into the month of February. Carter Woodson was one of the prominent men that started this, and they chose February because it coincided with the birthdays of Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, which is one of the reasons why it started in the month of February. But there are other famous African Americans who were born in February as well. Rosa Parks, Hank Aaron, Chris Rock, Maurice Hooks, February 8th. I'm just, I'm just listing some people. That's all. And then a couple more somewhere in there. Just reminders. But there were a lot of great inventions by African Americans. Things such as the traffic light, the light bulb and telephone, laser cataract surgery, automatic elevator doors, even that alarm clock that you don't really like. The first electric blimp was created by African Americans. Now you don't see that when you see Goodyear today at the Super Bowl. You just don't see Goodyear, but it should say John Pickering. But the blood banks were created by African Americans. An African-American was the first one to, to, to learn how to store blood by separating and keeping it cool. The clothes dryer that we use, even the dustpan that we use to sweep up things, the electric lamp and the filament that's inside the light bulb, the list goes on and on and on. There are so many incredible things that were done. African-Americans, Latin-Americans, I mean, there are so many things that minorities have done to help America be what it is today. Look over in John chapter 16. Now I say this because many times 
we often forget what people went through to help us be where we are today. Even though they had great accomplishment, great achievements, there was still great adversity that many people had to go through. Now, I, I don't say this to belittle our adversity today. We got issues today, granted. But yet, even back then, before our times and even in Jesus' time, there was all kind of adversities that we had to go through. And in John chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 29. John 16, verse 29. Then Jesus said to his, then Jesus, disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you will do, that, and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you are from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame the world. He won the victory. He possesses the victory. But yet, he's willing to share that victory with us. The world is tough. But in Jesus, we don't have to be victims. We can be victorious. And this is what we got to understand. Even the people that came before us need to inspire us to be able to get through what we're through, going through today because of Jesus. Trials can be overcome in triumph. Many times I ask people, I say, hey, how you doing today? Okay, under these circumstances. You know what? God wants to bring us out from under our circumstances and help us to soar as wings on eagles above our circumstances. It says we shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe that we shall overcome someday. This was a civil rights song for over 50 plus years. Not just heard in America, but in North Korea, Tiananmen Square, South African Soweto Township. We Shall Overcome. This started as a slave song in which they used to sing, I'll Be All Right Someday, which translated over into the song that we now sing even as a rights, civil rights song as it began. I'm thankful that God shares, not only in the sweet by and by, but in the also here and now. Trials. The early Christians had many, many trials. Look over in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 36. It says, talking about the Christians in that day, some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword, they went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. You know, it says, what kind of persecution did they, they, did they go through? They were sawed in two in front of their family. Could you imagine that? Literally, 
And it's not like some electric saws, the kind they had to actually saw their bodies into. They were flawed. They took their kids, wrapped them in sheep clothing, and threw them out there so the wild dogs would just devour them in front of their parents. This is the kind of trials they went through. Now today we get upset because the bus runs late. The Uber's not on time. I can't pronounce my Uber driver's name. We get upset because of all these crazy things. But look at what they had to go through for their faith. This is one reason why Paul said, hey, if you're not married, don't get married. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's what he said. But he said that because they will come to your house and they will stand there and say, you know what? If you don't denounce Christ, I'm going to kill your spouse right here and now. So you had to make a decision to no longer follow God or to watch your spouse get killed in front of you with the sword. He said, I don't want you to have to go through that pain. So that's why he said it. So there's no special gift of being single. Let's watch that. But he said, I don't want you to have to suffer the pain that some of us have to go through. I'm saying it because this is the kind of trials that they had to go through to be faithful to God. We look at what we have to go through today to be faithful to God. Don't watch that porn site. Don't go to that bar. Don't do, I mean, nothing compared to what they went through. This is what we need to look at and be inspired and get faith in because God can help us be overcoming. Three simple points for us today. Point number one is this. You will have trouble. That's exactly what he said in John 16, verse 33. He says, you will have trouble. It's not like it might happen or it's a possibility. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, that's the only thing you can be sure of. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have pain, both physical, mental, emotional. You're going to have fears and frustrations, disappointments, discouragement, disease, death. All of us, whether you're a Christian or not, you're going to have trouble in your life. Look at what it says in Job chapter 5, verse 7. Job chapter 5, verse 7. I'm going to read these. If you're not there, you can just write down the scripture. It'll be on the screen now. Chapter 5, verse 7. Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. You know what? When there's a fire, sparks are going to fly and it always goes up. It's a guaranteed thing. What does that mean? It means it's guaranteed you are born into trouble. Job 14, verse 1. Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Isaiah 8, 22. Isaiah 8, 22. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. And then Acts chapter 14. Verse 22, Acts 14, 22. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So when you hear that televangelist say, give this amount of money and you'll have a stress-free life, he is a liar. 
Because the Bible says you will have trouble. Nobody can ever tell you you're not going to have any problems. If you think getting baptized solves all your problems, what you got to understand, that's just the first stage. Because now you're going to have a whole new set of problems. Why? Because now the Bible even says you will be persecuted as a Christian. Your new enemy is now the devil. He's going to be coming after you. Becoming a born-again Christian does not exempt you from trouble. But it does mean you have a new father, a new friend to walk with you down that road when trouble comes. You know, Patty McDaniel, the first African-American to win an Oscar. She was able to carve out a place for herself in Hollywood despite rampant racism in the 30s. She paved the way for many African-American women. Her performance as Mammy and Gone with the Wind won her Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars that year. Patty went on to star in over 300 films, was introduced, inducted, I'm sorry, into the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame in 2006 and was the first Oscar winner to appear on a postage stamp. But she wasn't even allowed to go to the Oscars to get it. We will have trouble. But all the racism she endured did not stop her from fulfilling her dream, and she still went on to win an Oscar, even though she couldn't claim it. Not only did she do that for her, but she also did it to set the pace for many to follow. Say, well, how do we do this? You know what? With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The first point is this you will have trouble. So I want to encourage you you know you're going to have trouble, so why not take on this trouble of the world with God by your side? Why in the world would you not want to become a Christian? If you know you're going to have trouble, then I need to have somebody behind me, beside me, who has my back that can get me out of this trouble. We've got to understand, guys, there's no need for us to just wander out there. God says, listen to me. I want to give you the victory. The victory comes through Jesus. You will have trouble. Point number two, we need to joyfully persevere. Joyfully persevere. James chapter 1. Joyfully persevere. Verse 2. James 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Trials come in many colors, shapes, sizes, and degrees. My trials are not like yours. Yours are not like mine. We're going to have different trials at different stages in life. But James was writing to a group of Jews who were scattered because of the persecution that came upon the church. Now maybe your trial is going to be financial, physical, emotional, relational. I don't know. But sometimes our trials become because of our own bad decisions that we make. If we conduct our finances in a way that's contrary to God, why do we not expect to suffer? 
If God says, give me your first fruits and I'll open the floodgates, why do we not trust him? But then we give him our fifth fruits, our tenth fruits, and expect to be blessed. Doesn't work like that. You put things in your body that God says don't put in your body, you're going to go to your demise quicker. How can we think God says don't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway just for a little bit, that things are going to get better? Impossible. If we're not living the way God says we need to live in our marriage, how do you think that marriage is going to work? Well, I go to church. You may go to church, but if you're not putting church in your marriage, what difference does it make? See, the issue is if we're not going to do it the way God says it, you have to expect issues to occur. You know, women have gone through trials since the beginning of time. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. But you're not defined by the trials that you go through. That doesn't define who you are. Just because you have trial after trial, that doesn't mean that's who you are. Madam C.J. Walker was born in 1867 to former slaves on a Louisiana cotton plantation. But she was the first African-American entrepreneur who became America's first female self-made millionaire. She did it through her company who manufactured and specialized in hair products for African-American women. She was born on a cotton plantation in Louisiana and became a self-made man. Imagine what she had to go through. You know, I tell my kids, I said, you know, your grandmother, my mother, she was a sharecropper. So before that was slavery. So literally, I'm just two generations away from being a slave. Which means you are three generations away from being a slave. It's not as far away as you think it is. They don't really teach you everything in school the way reality really is. you got to understand, it's a lot closer. We need to be a lot more grateful and realize what people went through. My mom will come and she'll tell stories. Uh, when we have pizza, we eat pizza. And I didn't ever used to eat the crust. I didn't eat the meat and stuff and throw the crust back in the box. And she would eat the crust because that's all we could afford. We first started talking about that, and my kids started laughing and stuff, and it's like, that's just how we had to do things back in the day. She made bean soup, we eat it, and the next day we have the juice from the bean soup. I mean, that's the kind of lifestyle we had to live growing up. And they, they laugh at me sometimes. It's cold outside. Did they count the school? Girl, I used to walk to school backwards in one shoe uphill. Please. You better hop on one foot into that class. Neither one of my parents made it past eighth grade. But yet, they were able to work for a living for 40, 50 years. They put, raised eight kids in the same house. It was 10 of us at one time with an eighth grade education. Guys, the people that came before us set a great path for us. So let's talk about trials for a minute. Because there's three different categories for trials. The first trial is from God. That's called a test. Those are tests. It's been said God loves us just as we are. But he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Why? Because he wants us to be better. 
He cares not just about our happiness, but more importantly, our holiness. And sometimes we forget that. We're more concerned, is God not helping me to be happy? I want to be happy. God, make me happy. And God has said, I want to make you holy. I want you holy. I want you holy. So we're battling God. Happy, holy, happy, holy, happy, holy. Then he put us in the fire to purify us. Oh, I don't like that. Then he said, I'm going to stretch you a little bit. Ooh, I don't like that. I just want to be happy. But I'm trying to make you holy. You mean giving a dollar more is going to make me holy? It's not the giving of a dollar that's going to make you holy, but it's the heart behind what you're doing. He wants us to live by faith. So listen to this. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. If your faith is not tested, it can't be trusted. Well, what do you mean? Look at Abraham, the father of our faith. He tested him. Sacrifice your one and only promised son. That was a test for Abraham, not for God. God knew what was going on. But that test was for Abraham to mature in his faith. And that's what happens to us. We're tested so we can mature and grow in our faith. So many times we want to get out of those tests. Don't test me, Lord. I love you. I go to church. I go to midweek. I love you, Jesus. He said, no, 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 no. I'm testing you for your benefit. It's not for my, make me feel good. It's for your benefit. But too many times we waste a good trial being upset with God who just wants the best for us. Some people fall out of church because they've been tested by the Lord. Now, the times when you are challenged and tested, that's the times you really need to be in church and with God. But too many times those tests come and we want to pull away. you got to realize, how many people before us, they didn't get to pull away. They kept trusting in God. Being faithful to God. Listen, there's a lot going on, guys. But we cannot run when the test comes. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If the only reason we do things is for personal gain, it's the wrong reason. Second Corinthians 12, verse 6. Even if I should choose to boast, I will not be a fool, because I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than, I will, than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited, because of the ever-surpassingly surpassing, great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Guys, we got to understand, God does not want to punish us. He puts us through things to test us and to help us. Look at, uh, just look at Yeah, look at it. Anyway, let me say this. Let me give you something to think about here. If you never meet up with Satan on the road of life, it may be because you're both on the same path. You should be going away and Satan going another way, and y'all need to meet up and trials need to occur. But if you don't have trials, maybe because you're both chilling together on the same way. First thing, God tests us, but the trials from God are tests to mature us. God's test brings maturity. Satan's test brings out the worst. God wants to help us stand. Satan wants to make us stumble. You can be tested, but God is the one testing you for your growth. Then the second trial is from Satan. That's the second kind of trial. He said, well, why did, why did Paul have to go to this? Why did he have this suffering? And, and what was it? What, what, what was this thorn in his flesh? I don't know. It could have been uh, his, his health. He didn't feel good. Uh, it could have been a, a wheel rolled off his chariot on the way. I mean, he even says Satan blocked the way for us to come to you. There's going to be times that Satan tries to block you from doing what God wants you to do. It's going to happen. If it happens to the Apostle Paul, it'll happen to us as well. But the second kind of test, a trial, comes from Satan. But that's the trial to try to pull you away from God. And one of his greatest tools is not to actually make you leave God's church, but it's just to make you be somebody in the church that's bitter, angry, and start to be like yeast and work through everybody else. See, that's what Satan wants. Satan doesn't necessarily want you to leave. He just wants you to be there and discourage a lot of other people. This is why we need to be our brother's keeper and pull each other out of situations that they're in. The third kind of trial is the trial of the curse. Well, what do you mean? Well, this world is cursed from the beginning. It was cursed by sin. In other words, some of the things that happen is not because of God, not because of Satan. That's just the way the world is. But see, we get it confused. Let me give you an example. You want to drive to church, and you're driving now, and you're like, oh, God, help us find a parking space. Help us find a parking space. And you drive around three times, and you don't find a parking space. Man, you didn't have a good enough quiet time. Man, my time with God wasn't good enough. That's why I didn't find a parking space. Okay, that's not true. Or you're driving around there, you're like, oh, God, help me find a parking space. Ooh, look at God. Won't he do it? Look at God. And you pull out, look at God. He did it for us, didn't he? Look at him. You go, God. See, because you found that space doesn't determine God is with you or God is not with you. It just happened to be millions of people living in the city. It's not about a God issue. We try to put everything on God sometimes. Sometimes that's just how the world is because it's a wicked place we live in. So the best thing for us to do is just to walk with God and not try to make everything about God in that sense. Everybody's not clapping because you're taking the metro. You don't know what I'm talking about. 
a plot of weeds never turns into a flower garden. But a flower garden left alone would turn into a plot of weeds. I'm going to say that again because that didn't register. A plot of weeds, we can do great. And as long as we're together, we're helping each other grow, we're nourishing each other, it's going to be great. It's not going to turn into a bed of weeds. But if we don't take care of that flower garden and we let it just drift away, we don't nourish it, we don't take care of each other, we don't stay connected, it will turn into a bed of weeds. Whatever form your trial takes, we have this promise from God that he has overcome this world. And whatever negative picture you have, God can turn those negatives into a pretty picture. Romans 8.28 In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. All things, good or bad. He said, you know what? Even though that happened, even though Satan put you through that trial, I can still turn into a victim. As long as you trust in me. Turn over to James chapter 1. Those that are participating in the baptistry, in the baptism, you can go ahead and make your way on back. That would be great. All the rest of us will turn to James chapter 1, verse 2. It says something here in James that just kind of threw me for a loop. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You know, I'm not sure when the last time I was happy about a trial I was in. Maybe afterwards, when it was over with, and I could look back and see all the things I learned and how I grew, I'm like, yeah, that was good. But during that time, I can't say I was like, yes, thank you for this. But you know, people say, what can't be cured must be endured. But God says, what can't be cured must be enjoyed. He's not telling us to fake it till we make it. That's not what he says. But look at what he says in verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Develops perseverance. You know what? The more you're tested, the more you're able to deal with situations later on. You become more patient. You ever pray, God, come and be a stronger Christian? Come and be more faithful and more disciplined? Well, the good news is God's going to take you to the gym. He's going to work you out. What happens in the gym? Muscles under stress and pressure will break down, thus they can grow stronger. You will be tested sometimes to break you down so you can become stronger in the end. God will use trials to exercise your character to be more godly. You see, a lot of times we look at Black History Month and we just think, you know what, let's just be grateful for everything. It's not just be grateful, it's also look and learn from those that came before. Because the things they went through, the trials they went through, should also inspire us today to be able to get through whatever it is we need to go through. In verse 4, James 1 verse 4. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What happens when you persevere? You become more mature. That's why the older people need to teach the younger people. 
Because when we're younger, we just think we can just do whatever. It's going to be all right. I'm going to be healthy forever. I done learned if I don't stretch before I work out or play something, I'm tearing something up. When I was younger, I'd go do whatever. Don't stretch. Don't think about it. Let's just get it on. Let's do what we got to do. But now, we're going to play basketball? Give me 15 minutes first. I need some, you know. And you see people just stretching in the streets, in the mall, everywhere. They never ran in their life, but they just stretching. Like, what's wrong with you? I'm just trying to make it. You know what, guys? You learn as you get older. All of us, we thought our parents were crazy. What are you talking about? I ain't got to listen to all that stuff. And they always say, wait till you have kids. Or they say, your kids, I hope your kids turn out just like you. And then they do. And then we like, Mama was right. I should have listened. <laughs> Look at First Peter chapter 5. First Peter 5, verse 10. We're going to wrap it up here. In a minute. All right, First Peter 5, 10. And the grace of, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. This is one of my favorite scriptures because it says, after you suffer a little while, God himself will restore you. He didn't say he's going to send a preacher, he's going to send a deacon, or a Bible talk leader, or all these other people in your life. He said, God himself will restore you. This is telling you God knows who you are and all the people in this city. He knows who you are and what's going on in your life. And after you've gone through your trial, he's going to himself make sure you are encouraged and stronger than before that trial started. Well, are you sure? Think back, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And we don't know what God's plan is, but we know he has a plan. You never know what can happen. A rapper by the name of Stanley Kirk Burrell wrote the words in the song. And I'm going to try to say these words without moving. He said, and I quote, My music hits me so hard, makes me say, oh my Lord, thank you for blessing me with a mighty rhyme and a hike of beat. That's good when you know you're down. A Super Bowl homeboy from the old town. And I'm known as such. And this is the beat. Can't touch. Can't touch. <laughs> These are the words that came out of the 1990 rapper by the name of MC Hammer. It's about a self-acclaimed greatness as a then modern-day rapper and dancer. His baggy pants and lyrics, even before he was hammered, was a childhood success story in the Oakland, California area. This was a young man who, as a child, would go to the Oakland A's game. And the owner liked him and his dancing so much, he gave him and his family year-long tickets, as long as he wanted, to go watch the Oakland A's. And every seventh inning stretch, he would come out and dance before the crowd at a young age. This was the beginning of hammer time. As a little kid, he was able to do some things that was incredible. Nobody knew God had a plan for him to do what he's doing. 
Later on, he became one of the biggest names in the music industry. What does this say? Well, guys, you have no idea what God's plan is for you. But as long as you're walking on the same path he's walking, as long as you're doing what he wants you to do, all you need to trust is that he does have a plan for you. So when Satan comes at you and he tries to deter you from walking on that path, you need to turn and look at him or you need to say, Satan, can't touch me. Brothers and sisters, I love you so much. This is the beginning of a, not just a great month, but a great time for us as we grow more in the Bronx region. God has been blessing. He's done great things, but it's not going to end. So I want to encourage us to make sure this month of February will be the best month we've had so far in our spiritual life. Satan may come after you, may give you trials, but don't blame Satan for everything. Sometimes that's just the way the world is. So the best thing we can do is to be with God, walk with God, trust in God. And if we do that, there's nothing that we cannot overcome because we shall overcome someday. And to God be the glory. Amen.